Hi, welcome to My Creativity, a podcast about being creative and producing output. I'm your host, Surrey. I reveal how I work, my projects, my process, well, my creativity, from the planning and goal setting to how I stay accountable for my output, to the way ideas pop into my head, and to the frameworks I use to stimulate my creativity and formalize it. So each week I go through, first of all, last week's goals and recap how I went, and then at the end of the episode I come up with new goals for the following week, and in between I like to talk about creative stuff, maybe interview people. So it was the beginning of the month last week, so I had to go through some new monthly goals for my quarterly and so on. So I figured it'd be a good time to recap from the top down the goal and plan setting process. So it starts off with a purpose. And uh, one of these days I'll go through how I came up with my purpose and some frameworks and tools you can use to search for your own sort of passions and so forth. So the purpose of Gravity Undone is to create a collaborative entertainment network of creators of wonderful stories supported by patrons, not ads. So the key points there is I want a collaborative network. Uh, I want patrons, not ads. So from that, I've got some annual priorities, which will get me towards this, this end goal. First priority, create more podcasts. Well, I've done that, haven't I? That's pretty good. I'm ahead of time. Create more content. Yes, uh, I've done that. I've written some books. Establish alliances. I have. I've met some wonderful people through this process, and we are still sort of working together, and so far so good. Establish paying customers. I haven't quite got that yet. I sold a few copies of my book, but that's mainly to family and friends. Um, so building this shop... I'll get there. Specify an app uh, or come up with member benefits uh, and a business model. So this is that whole supported by patrons, not ads. I need to come up with a way. How is that going to work? The obvious thing would be to open a Patreon page, but that's not feeding into my 10-year mission where I am a viable, sustainable business on my own. Relying on a third party uh, to essentially manage my customers uh, isn't in the long-term best interests of my chosen business model. So I need to come up with a way, you know, like, like I said, maybe maybe incorporate an app with some member benefits uh, and in general have a business model that will mean people will, will feel that they are exchanging money for a fair value of entertainment. So uh, I haven't quite got there with that. So my quarterly goals for this quarter, which ends at the end of this month, is to consolidate my website, get my shop operational, publish my first novel, learn Glycerine by Bush on the guitar and sing it, run 10 kilometers on the weekend and have my second novel written, but not necessarily published at this point. So I'm actually doing pretty well on that. I have uh, patched up most of my website. There's a couple little details I want to fill in. I've published book one of Exit Plan. This is my Exit Plan, available now on Amazon. I've learnt myself some glycerine on guitar. 
So that's pretty cool. I think next quarter I'm going to actually have to book in a time at an open mic to go perform. Run 10 kilometers in the weekend. So I've been running 5 kilometers on the weekends. I ran today on that. And coming sort of next week and the following weeks, I'm going to be pushing that up. So that by the end of the month, I'll be doing 10 kilometers. So my June goals, which I newly created, is to each week review my monthly goals. To complete my shop, so that means each category will have at least one item from each of my um, areas. Okay, I've got to run up to 10 kilometers on Sunday. I've got to finish book two, start exit plan season three, and record a cover, record a cover of Judgment Day. That's for the upcoming audio drama Dancing. So, there we go. That's, that's a lot to do this month. Let's see if I can cram it all in there. So my last week's goals, and we'll see how they went, come up with monthly goals. Well, I just told you my monthly goals. Uh, five kilometers run, I did that. I had to wait till the raining stopped. It's a bit cold and blowy and rainy here uh, where I am at the moment, coming into winter. Uh, complete my shop. Uh, yes, so I have a front page. I've got my categories. They link through to the product page. There's products in each of the categories. I'm now going to be working on that as well to, to get a few more products in there and then get the sales happening. And I had to produce Space Brains, which I did do. Released it on Saturday. We reviewed the movie The Darkest Dawn, written and produced by Drew Casson, uh, also written by Jesse Cleverly. Uh, it's a great movie. Check out the review. See what you think. And that's, that's last week's goals and how it went. So this week, I was going to talk about... Uh, so last week, I talked about plotting. Uh, this week, I'm going to talk about... There was a, it's basically five key elements I looked at in coming up with my uh, exit plan audio drama. And it's a, a contemporary fantasy story. You might call it an urban fantasy. So, you know, what, what are these things? So urban fantasy is a subset of contemporary fantasy. And... Contemporary fantasy is fantastic elements in a contemporary setting. Uh, and urban fantasy then especially includes urban environments and the sorts of societies and social issues in there. It tends to play up on the idea that big cities are full of strangers and strange things can happen. Uh, Exit Plan, I guess, sort of plays into that a bit, but it's more contemporary fantasy than strictly urban. Yeah, so... I went through, and I've I've got written up here five five keys to creating an urban fantasy story. Now I have created some videos on these, which you can find on gravityundone.net, but I'll go through it here uh, and relate it in particular to Exit Plan without giving away too many spoilers, in case you haven't finished listening or you haven't read the book. So step one is to choose your type of fantasy. So you've got a relatively modern world or, or a contemporary setting. It could be slightly in our past or slightly in our future, but it's, it's generally modern. But you want to have a type of fantasy because you need to build up this mythos, this world of magic, which goes hand in hand with our current world. So I've classified this into basically three categories. You've got your classic Western mythology, so it's like vampires, werewolves, witches, uh, biblical beings. I've got classical non-Western mythology, so we're talking South American or Egyptian, Arabic, Far East type stuff. And then you've got this neo-mythology, which tends to be your Tolkien-esque style epic fantasy introduced into our modern world. Exit Plan falls squarely into Category A. And the reason I chose Category A 
let's see. Classic Western mythology is, is appeared in probably the most urban fantasy stories out there, but uh, it still holds a bit of promise. It includes vampires, aware creatures, magic users like witches and warlocks and so forth. And what makes this mythos appealing is the sense of the familiar. This is also what makes people a bit lazy when they're writing about it. Even though you're using classic creatures and magic, you need to pay attention to detail to ensure your stories rise above the flotsam of you know, the Me Too type of worlds. And I did this specifically for Exaplan to provide a sense of familiarity here so that I could play on what we think we know about um, these creatures and mythologies, but obviously change them to, I like to say, make them more realistic to try and make them fit in better. So when you are coming up with your urban fantasy, choosing your fantasy element, if, if you want to have like a, an effective story you, and world, you're going to have to go a little bit deeper than just go, oh yeah, the vampires are around. Yeah, you're going to have to go into a bit, bit more about how they could possibly exist and, and what they look like, what their powers are, and, and be a little bit more specific there. And you probably want to vary here and there from what might be cliched. And oddly enough, going back to more classical romance views, and when I say romance, as in we're talking the 1800s, 1700s, sort of um, poetry and, and mythology there about vampires, uh, you'll be able to get, get some good material that isn't popular these days. So the next point I had to consider is integration level. Urban fantasy or contemporary fantasy is the meeting of fantastic elements, i.e. magic, and our real world, you'll need to determine how that integration works. So this integration is going to form an important part of your story. I mean, without the fantasy and without the integration type, your story shouldn't be able to work. This is the point. Every part that you come up with needs to fit in tightly so that if you pull a piece out, your story won't work, your world won't work, things won't work. This is the basic test of any genre, in fact. I think if the genre elements weren't there, could the same story be told? If the answer is yes, then you're not writing in that genre, in this case urban fantasy. An example, for example, if you have a story and you've introduced vampires, if you pulled the vampires out of the story and replaced them just with normal human beings, could you tell the exact same story? Would there be any real difference? And if the answer is yes, then you need to work harder. Okay, so integration level. What do I mean by this? There's three basic integration levels. There's secrecy by rarity, secrecy by pact, and in the open. So secrecy by rarity, this is what I went with with exit plan. And I wanted that because I wanted a reveal from the ordinary world into the magic world. And I wanted the main character to, I suppose, discover and be confronted with the potential horror and uh, philosophical difficulties that would come about. So scarcity by rarity is that real magic and fantasy creatures are rare enough that their strangeness is absorbed into the background. So how you have to consider how have vampires remained hidden all this time? Well, by the simple fact that there are almost none of them around. One vampire haunting a major city of a couple million people will not be noticed. 
I mean, every year there are enough unexplained deaths and odd events that some number could be caused by supernatural beings preying on humans. Magic could be happening around us, but in ways uh, we don't really notice because it, it doesn't happen often enough or to enough people. So when crafting your story, you need to be careful uh, to consider how the weird can be explained by the conventional. It has to be believable or your audience is going to start questioning the entire believability of your story. Secrecy by pact, so this is more the case, I suppose more like Harry Potter, where you have um, organizations of supernatural beings, like wizards or whatever, uh, or clans of vampires and so forth, and through agreement and strict laws, they keep a separation between the supernatural and the mundane. Of course, that does beg a few questions about how that's going to work, but that's the basic idea. The, uh, the next one is in the open. So this is, this is the, world, the world where you've got this magnificent blend of magic and mundane with no secrecy. An example of this would be an earth that has undergone a magic awakening causing magic to bloom and new species to emerge. Now, this world allows for reimagining of how everything works, of how technology and magic merge, and how radical and how racial divides are supplanted by actual species divides. And so this integration level can draw most parallels with science fiction, which often tells stories of alien worlds and peoples and advanced technologies. Uh, there's a movie on Netflix at the moment called Bright, which is a good example of this. So the third point to consider, after I decided that... Um, I was going for this classical Western, you know, vampires and what have you. I was going to go for uh, secrecy by rarity. So these creatures basically go undetected primarily because there's just so few of them that they operate on those fringe elements of our world anyway. It also, yeah, you know, and I like that because it, it made it a bit more special. I don't, in this particular world, I didn't want to have this um, collusion that was going to require a, a lot more work in world building to make that work out. So now I had to consider what organizations were in this world. So in our modern world, and uh, indeed for the last few hundred years, a society has been constructed of organization structures that are both large and small, formal and you know, informal. With the popularization of the scientific method and scientific discoveries, scientific organizations formed. And so too with magic in an urban fantasy world. There will be organizations and institutions that study or befriend or destroy supernatural beings. Uh, members of the magical community will form into organizations too for protection, uh, for culture and learning. You need to know about these organizations because like it or not, they will play a part in your story. So I, you've got to consider the following things. So academic religious groups. Now, in Exit Plan, I had the Order of the Blooming Tree. There's this mysterious group called the Hunters, and there may or may there's almost certainly going to be other groups and subgroups about the place. I don't really mention any particular ones, but yeah, they're there. So, under the academic and religious, you've got to think there's going to be universities of both magic and mundane, which have research departments. Yeah, there's going to be monastic orders that are going to have libraries of knowledge. There'll be lesser sects about the place with their own groups, uh, and they'll all be somehow involved. And this has to tie in closely with your integration level of your world. A university department that studies the occult in a secrecy by scarcity integration will be more similar to what we have in the real world while a religious order in a world with an open integration level 
may even worship a dragon. Now, what about government, though? Both normal and paranormal government. If there's magic in the world, you can bet it is acknowledged to some extent by government bodies. But what is their role and how is it viewed? Is it seen as a threat to humanity or as a resource to be tapped for the benefit of the nation? So with supernatural creatures or magical practitioners, there may well be a shadow government. Law enforcement by supernaturals would definitely exist in an integration level of secrecy by pact. Because you've got to think then that if a wizard reveals themselves to the mundane world, there must be some organization which basically stops that from happening and catches them. In Harry Potter, they've got the auras, for example. And then, of course, you've got ad hoc um, groups. And in Exit Plan, my government organizations, I didn't, I've decided I don't really have that. Like, um, the government is so largely built of normal people with normal expectations of the normal world that there is some, uh, some traces get through. I mean, you've even got that in the real world where the CDC in America, for example, as a, an exercise came up with a, a plan for a zombie outbreak, you know, spice things up a little bit, but you could easily sort of say, well, maybe they didn't, maybe it wasn't just to spice things up a bit. Maybe, maybe someone actually threw that in there to try and give a bit of a helping hand. So then you've got ad hoc groups. And in Exit Plan, of course, I've got the Hunters. We don't really meet the Hunters, but we read about them. Aside from affiliated organizations, there's organizations that integrate into larger parent organizations. There will also be ad hoc groups, groups that have self-formed for the pursuit of an agenda or to share values. Hunters, protectors, vigilantes, you know, study groups. This level of organization could also cover local neighborhood gangs, Citizens Watch, uh, meetup groups organized by the internet. I mean, exit plan security itself would be considered one of these groups. It's sort of um, enthusiastic amateurs who form together in order to investigate and protect people. So in an urban fantasy, it's common for entire story arcs to revolve around the actions and agenda of one or more organizations. Why? Well, because that's how we've organized our modern world. And this fantasy is set in a reasonably modern world. It's also important to know what these organizations are and what they want because as your characters take action and as conflict rolls into the world, people will notice. If secrecy is maintained by a pact, then any supernatural activity will attract the attention of the peacekeepers. If it is in the open, then magic use will likely require some kind of license, for example. you got to flesh out these organizations a bit. Their goals and power, I mean, most of the story will be written for you just right there. Number four, create your characters. This is the next step I took. So I've got this idea of some organizations, uh, the magic that, of the type of fantasy I've got and how it integrates into the world. I've got to create some characters that go in there. And the characters are where the story is. They're the vehicle through which your audience interacts with your world and they, they cause and react to the conflict. In many stories, the characters are the story though in urban fantasy you'd have to include the city and the magic as characters sort of in that case however you look at it there are four characters you need in your urban fantasy they could each be an individual giving you exactly four characters or you could have more or less individuals representing each of the four required characters you see what i'm saying they're not when i'm talking about characters here we're talking about a class or, or a 
a role that needs to be fulfilled in your world, in your story. And I've broken this down into A, the sane. So a world of magic and supernatural beings can be a little more than the audience can handle at times. So the sane character is your grounded and rational character. They could be the one in a scarce world who continues acting on the rational and scientific, or they could be the one to fully embrace the supernatural in a more open magic world. The point is they do and act like you'd expect a sensible person to act like in the context they're in. They'll be the one to point out logical failures, uh, follow clues in a rational and reasonable way, and talk to people without freaking out. The same character could be the local news that plays at the start of each chapter. Uh, There could be a faithful hound, a police detective, or a group of children. Use your imagination. You can find a way to include a little sanity in your story. In Exit Plan, I sort of have two characters. One is Heidi. Heidi... uh, even right to the end of season three, which hasn't been released yet, would be considered the sane character. And in season one, certainly Venus, uh, she she's just, uh, without any real evidence at all, she just leaps in and goes, yep, supernatural is just part of the world. This is how it works. Done. So then we've got the next character, the insane. The insane character is the one who refuses to believe in magic, even in the face of obvious witchcraft. They seek to cling to the familiar, regardless uh, of. They seek to cling to the familiar, regardless. Or, they're the character who leaps to the supernatural conclusions each time. Whether they're in the right or wrong, the point of the insane character is to introduce to your audience the many and varied possibilities the world can offer. They will try to do the same thing over and over, but expect different results. They'll demonstrate the easy or hard way to interact with the world. Whatever they do, it will be counter to what the audience would think or try. This character could be the willfully naive reporter, the enthusiastic sidekick, which is familiar, or a spirit from another dimension, for example. In Exit Plan, the insane character is kind of the main character. He starts off as ignorant of the world as anyone else. Uh, he starts to get a bit of a, an insight into it, and then he... Well, well, the story is kind of about his reactions there, and and there, he, he doesn't have a great reaction. He goes up and down a bit. Uh, he's not insane through the entire. He's not the insane character the whole time. The mantle does get passed, but he starts out that way. Okay, we have the good character because okay, so there's going to be darkness in your urban landscape, and it's inevitable that when we imagine our present world with magic and monsters in it, uh, it will darken. There are just so many more evil monsters and applications of magic than good. The good character resists the corruption and shines like a beacon in the endless night of city ruled by vampires. They could be your protagonist, but they could equally be the waitress at the local deli who refuses to buckle under the oppressive darkness of a world gripped by magic and death. It may be easy to combine the insane character with the good, or you can play them off each other. The good character is kind of shared a bit there between John and Tony, I guess, in Exit Plan. They, you know, they get the opportunity there to be not good, but they, they're right there. They're supportive. They're helping. They're good. Then we have the evil. This character is the opposite of the good one. They will accept the evils of the world as inevitable and may even perpetrate some of them. The evil character sees antisocial behavior as just a required lifestyle. It is an adaptation to the environment they find themselves in. The evil character may not necessarily be evil themselves. In fact, they could have a good agenda trying to save people, for, for example. But they use methods that play to the dark side and accept that darkness is part of life. 
There are many protagonist characters who play in the evil character role. They are the anti-hero, the one who saves the day, but their means are in alignment with their worldview. Nothing is so simple in an urban fantasy as straight up good and evil. And this character demonstrates that. So in Exit Plan, the evil character is in part played by the, the protagonist in Season 1 in particular, but then also in Season 2 and 3 we've got Beatrice. Beatrice, um, she's not outright evil, but she's, she's working with the world in a way that accepts evil as a part of that world. Finally, is a theme. So you've got your type of fantasy. In my case, it was Western classical. Integration level in Exit Plan was uh, scarcity. So that means there's, there's little enough magic and monsters around that we could reasonably expect that they go unnoticed. Then we've got more organizations. So I count with things like the, um, the Blooming Tree and the Hunters, for example. And then, of course, Exit Plan security forms during the story. And then creating the characters. I've gone through, you've got the sane one, the insane one, the good and the evil. Showing different aspects of the world. And that doesn't have to be for individual people. Those roles could be shared around amongst people. But you get the idea. Finally, we have the theme. And the theme, the theme reveals the blood and guts of your story. And it should naturally arise from the characters, organizations and magic of your world. Urban fantasy tends to be a grittier and more grounded fantasy genre than epic fantasy. So leave your classic story, Good vs. Evil, in the trash that's fallen out of the overfield skip behind the dive bar and dig deeper. Clear-cut good and evil doesn't exist in the real world. They exist on a continuum with most things falling in the grey middle area. So here's a few different themes to pick from. Change vs. Stagnation. So the modern world marches forward in technological progress while magic and the supernatural lags behind. Or, magic is a dynamic changing force breaking the stagnant crust of the technological world. Do your characters strive to stop major change, or do they seek to bring about change? Is change a destructive force that will break your world down into what amounts to a grey sludge, destroying the scaffold that holds everything together? Or is change the evolution that leads towards enlightenment? A change versus stagnation story could be about a revolution, the rise of an institution, the romantic breakup of two lovers, or the welding of hearts into a single soul. I've got a bit of overtones of change versus stagnation in, uh, in Exit Plan. So certainly the main character at the start is kind of trapped in a rut. It's quite boring and things change, but I wouldn't say as a, as a primary theme. So let's, let's keep looking. Redemption. So we've all done things we regret. In a world of magic, myth, and monsters, the opportunity to do regretful things is enhanced. But so too then is the ability for a person to be redeemed. Redemption is a powerful drive and a great source of drama and conflict. Redemption doesn't need to be a good thing, and it doesn't need to be an evil thing. Now, the victorious right history anyway. I've got a little bit of redemption in my story, but it's kind of not the primary theme. So we're moving to C. Love versus fear. I'm not afraid anymore. See if you can figure out what movie that's from. So love versus fear. Fear makes people defend themselves. It drives people to hate and destroy. It also drives people to hide and wear a masquerade, keeping the world from seeing who they really are and stopping them from seeing themselves for who they are. Love is an attractive force that draws people together and inspires acts of great courage and compassion. 
A story of love versus fear is the story of the man leaving the cave to enter the night with his torch held high, to find a world filled with others leaving their own caves to meet. It is also the story of the group tearing itself apart from the fear of betrayal or change. Or on another scale, it is the story of the friends seeking to bring their warring families together to make peace. Or it is the opposite. It is the story of the friends afraid of what peace between their families will bring, trying to break them apart. So this is what I went for with Exit Plan primarily. It's the love versus fear. It's the story of uh, this main character coming from a place where he's, he's isolated, he's lonely, uh, he's a bit of a dickhead, and finding that he, he can find his um, place in the world, in this magical world. And through that, he, he makes some good friends and he keeps drawing together people to form Exit Plan. And by the end of Season 3, well, you'll learn all about that. So there are countless other themes, of course. And these three are sort of real powerhouses that drive most stories. So just choose one like I did and run with it. Uh, but you can't just skim the surface. Okay, you, you can't just go love versus fear and go literally love versus fear. You sort of got to dig a bit deeper about what it really means. I sort of talked a bit about that. So you've got to complicate your matters by like intertwining characters, agendas, and motives. Uh, for example, like uh, if you've got a revolution, is it seeking to break a stagnant and dying world order, or is it really looking to bring an end to progressive social policy? People rarely, if ever, act out of pure emotion or virtue. Uh, there's always an undercurrent of self-interest. It may be that self-interest aligns with their stated goals, but often the self-interest isn't even recognized. Every theme should have at least three layers to it. Make your story tug back and forth a bit. And an exit plan, of course, uh, and I don't want to go into too many spoilers here, but the interplay between the main character and Beatrice, uh, and Beatrice's goals versus the order of the Blooming Trees goals form a bit of a um, conflict. So look, uh, this uh, urban fantasy tends to be a genre that's heavily populated by like cheesy romance and poorly conceived fanboy plots and fangirl plots but if you use these five keys uh, i think you're going to create yourself some intriguing and deep urban fantasy stories you'll create a world is populated by a consistent and distinct mythos of monsters and magic i like to think a exit plan does hit a lot of these things it doesn't follow uh, classic or cliche storylines and it, if you read between the lines there and certainly if you read the novels which allow for greater depth yeah you'll find you find a bit of an exploration of some of these topics so look that's that's my five keys to urban fantasy there's obviously other ways you could do these things but i found that this works very well i've also sort of come up with similar ways because i'm i'm a very methodical person i don't know if you've noticed this yet but i i'm not um i plan my spontaneity very well and i like to have have one of these frameworks to use even if I end up ignoring it. And the reason for that is because, and I've heard this complaint a lot, people go, I just don't know where to start. How, how I want to write a science fiction, I want to write an urban fantasy, I want to write whatever. Where do I start? And so I've had the same questions myself, so I've come up with, in this case, a way of getting started on urban fantasy. So I run through these five, take notes and really flesh things out and think about stuff. And then, as I said last week, doing plotting, I went go and grab the um, the Blake Snyder beat sheet, and with this overlaid concept of three act structure, 
and then I start breaking down a story based on an end point and a start point and a midpoint and sort of work my way through it that way. Uh, and this way, I'm never sitting there going, oh, what, what do I do? How do I start it? Because, well, I start with step one. I choose the type of magic I want to use. And then I do step two, three, four, five, and then I pull out the beat sheets and I go to the, you know, each of those beats and write a point on it. I've got a process. Uh, I'm free to ignore it, of course. But it means that I can, you know, when it comes time to my writing time, I can, I can be effective. I'm not just sitting there twiddling my thumbs trying to imagine things. And in a future episode, I'm going to talk about some of the places where I've found inspiration or had ideas, and certainly things I've included then in stories. It's, it's often quite mundane. So that's urban fantasy creation. You can check out, I've got a video series that basically goes through that, main, that same sort of thing. You can find that on my YouTube channel, I guess, but I've linked to it all on, on gravityundone.net. You'll find some videos in there. Uh, you'll also see my discussion of fantasy and science actually you know what i haven't put up the urban fantasy one i've got the science fiction and fantasy not the urban fantasy i've got those videos still sitting on my hard drive ready to be edited well maybe another time next week's goals okay so i'm going to run eight kilometers on sunday how about that getting towards that 10 kilometer mark i'm going to create at least one product for each uh what do you call it, property, intellectual property, IP, you know, so each podcast and so on that I have, uh, that's one project in each category of the shop for each property. So there'll be a t-shirt, there'll be a, you know, a mug, and there'll be other excellent choices. I found I, I maybe some stickers, because apparently people like stickers. Another thing I have to do for next week is, ooh, I've got to get the first recording judgment day done. I really do. I've got to get that back off to the... Um, the singer. I've taken her work so far and I've sort of broken it up and, and pushed it out into correct timing for the song because obviously she sang a cappella and then I'm trying to play it on my own and it gets difficult to coordinate that so I've not quantized because that's sort of an artificial forcing. I have simply divided it up so it works. So let's let's do that record first take of Judgment Day. And that's for dancing. Upcoming audio drama by Hale and Well Met. Uh, podcast team uh, written by Vincent King who you might remember I interviewed a few more oh, geez a few weeks back yeah three four weeks back now and that's it so check out my I'll, I'll include my five steps to urban fantasy on the page so if you want to go back and have a look at it and perhaps consider using that for helping you come up with an urban fantasy story please do until next time See ya.